Hey guys, welcome to the Fellowship Greenville Students Podcast. This week, our guest speaker, Tyler Smith, continues our summer series, Disciple, and talks about life on mission. Tyler talks about knowing and enjoying and pursuing Jesus and inviting others along, too. We looked at Mark 2, verses 1 through 12, and how the paralytic man's friends were willing to get their friend to Jesus no matter what. That was their mission. Our walk with Jesus should overflow with us wanting to invite others into that love and relationship we have with Him. We hope you enjoy this message. Hey, what's up, guys, and welcome to another great morning at FGS. I've got the privilege and honor and joy this morning of introducing a good friend of mine to teach you uh, the Word of God this morning. It's not me. It's not Dallas. It's this guy. And you may be wondering, who is this guy? This is my buddy, Tyler Smith. Tyler uh, was in my small group. I was in college. Tyler was a seventh grader. He was in my small group, and I stayed his small group leader eighth grade, ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th grade, 12th grade. Mm. And, um, and then he went to college where I went to college and I was doing student ministry in the area. He started volunteering for me. So mm. this dude has been a friend uh, for 15 years now and I'm really proud of this dude. And I thought um, we're, we're finishing up the disciple series. Mm. And I thought, man, what a cool opportunity to bring in a guy that I've discipled um, to teach you guys. So mm. without any further introduction, I know you're gonna be blessed this morning. Tyler, welcome, man. We're glad to have you. Hey, thank you. I know they're applauding from their homes right now. I don't know if you can feel that energy. Their living room and their couches with a bowl of cereal right now. Yes. Yes. Yeah. All right, man. It's all yours. Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Well, guys, welcome to uh, service this morning. What a joy it is to get to be here and, um, yeah, to get to be invited into your living rooms or wherever you are and to get to teach the scriptures this morning and just be with you. It's a gift. As Matt said, my name is Tyler. Um, I started to walk with Jesus the back half of my senior year of high school and have been walking with the Lord now for about eight years and for about six years have been serving with students in some kind, a part of the next generation um, and hoping to help be on mission with Jesus. Um, So I'm excited to get to be here with you this morning. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and find them. We're gonna be jumping in here in just a second. Um, And let me give honor where honor is due for just a moment here. Uh, If you're a part of this student ministry and you call this student ministry home, uh, you are so blessed. You've got incredible leaders, a part of this village and this student ministry. Maddie D just introduced me and we got Rachel B over here right now. We got Scott, uh, Brantley, Nathan, and we haven't even started to mention your small group leaders or any of those folks yet. So just know how blessed you are and... Uh, What an incredible team you have here because literally these guys love you. So uh, yeah, you're blessed. I'm going to be jumping in on the tail end of this series as we talk about the uh, last part of the three-legged stool or the triangle. I've heard it referenced both, uh, but being on mission with Jesus. And we're going to be talking about what that looks like today. So let me pray for us real quick. And then we're going to jump into the scriptures and unpack what it means to Live life, not just with Jesus and in community, but on mission with Jesus. Father in heaven, we're thankful for this morning. We are so thankful for the gift to get to know you and enjoy you and um, help others do the same. So Father, would you bless these minutes, these moments? Would you speak into our hearts? Would uh, you make the scriptures come alive to us? Would you uh, raise our affections for Jesus um, and would you give us passion and power to walk in his name and, and to be a part of this mission that you are doing, not just right here in our town, but globally. Uh, Father, we invite you in, uh, into our midst, into our presence. We love you and we're thankful for Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. 
I want to ask just a simple question as we get going this morning, if that's okay, uh, just to break the ice here. Have you ever sleptwalked before? And if the answer is no, and you have not, do you know someone who has? And just to be totally transparent, I used to be a sleepwalker. I'm a recovering sleepwalker. Um, when I was in middle school, I'd sleepwalk all the time. And I had three little things I would do. I would go into uh, my kitchen while I was asleep, and I would make chocolate milk and just leave it on the kitchen counter and not do a whole lot with it. I wouldn't drink it, I'd just make it and leave it. So if we woke up the next morning and there was chocolate milk on the counter, we knew I had sleptwalked the night before. Second thing I would do, I'd go into my parents' bedroom and begin to brush my teeth, even though I hated brushing my teeth, it's the one thing I would do when I was sleepwalking. So if I was in my parents' bedroom at 3.30 a.m. brushing my teeth, dead giveaway, I'm sleepwalking. Third thing I would do, and this is so like creepy, but I'm just outing it right here just to confess, I would literally go into my brother's room and stand over him while he was asleep. And I would stand there for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and just wouldn't move, but I would just be standing there, and I would kind of do the thing where I'd be humming, I'd be like, mm, mm, mm. and it, it was so creepy, but I would, I would do this while I was sleepwalking. And if you think about it, like if we're honest together, the idea, the concept of sleepwalking is really interesting. Like your, your body is moving, like physically you're, you're going through the motions, you're doing things, you're accomplishing tasks, your body is moving around the house. But when it comes to the inside you, mentally, emotionally, you're, you're not there. You're checked out, you're, you're disengaged, you're disconnected. You, you don't know what you're doing. Someone the next morning has to describe it to you. So although you're going through the motions, internally you're checked out. I mean, this is the concept of sleepwalking, right? And that thought is so interesting to me because if I'm honest and I get transparent for just a second, there are moments in my journey with Jesus where I feel like when it comes to living on mission with Jesus, I feel like I've been sleepwalking. Like I've been going through the motions, but my heart isn't intimately connected to what he's wanting to do or what he is doing in me and in the people around me. Like, think about it. Jesus is, is always moving, both in our, our families and our friends and our world and our community and our city. He's always moving. I mean, he's bringing people daily from death to life, transferring us from darkness to light, from, from being an enemy of God to sons and daughters of God who get to enjoy the blessings of his family. God is bringing us from slavery to freedom. Like, Jesus is always moving. This is his mission. It's a rescue mission filled with life and hope and love and purpose, and he's moving daily around us. So I just encourage us this morning, let's not miss this, this part of the triangle that's so important, to get to do life with Jesus and, and furthermore be invited into this mission with him. This is beautiful. So today we're gonna to be picking up a story in Mark chapter two to transition us to the Bible. If you've got your Bibles with us, where we're gonna be looking at four friends who are uh, on mission. And they've got a deep love for their friend and their goal, if I've got to define mission here is this, to not only live in the presence of Jesus, but to help others do the same. Not only just to live in the presence of Jesus yourself, but to, to help others get to that presence too. And that's the heartbeat of these friends. So in Mark chapter two, I'm gonna pick up reading. Uh, verse three, I'm skipping a few verses in. Uh, I'm gonna give us some context here in just a minute, but verse three is where we're picking up in Mark chapter two. And they, these four friends, came bringing to Jesus a paralyzed man who's their friend. So we get this side note. This dude is paralyzed. He cannot walk. And they're, they're bringing him to Jesus. And verse 4, when they could not get near Jesus because of the crowd, listen to this, 
They began to remove the roof above Jesus. And they began to lower the paralyzed man, their friend, through the roof to where Jesus was sitting. Now, this is, this is so interesting. Jesus is in this house. He's teaching, right? Jesus has already been doing miracles. He's been teaching with authority. He's casting out demons. He's healing the sick. Like, people want to be around Jesus. And Jesus is in this home in Capernaum. And I've been to a few house parties, but this one is packed, man. Like, you can't even get into into the the living room, right into the kitchen, because people are are filled to the brim at the door. And these four friends know that they've got to get their friend to Jesus. And they they roll up on this house party and, and they go, man, we can't get him in through the living room like the natural route or way. So what if we took him to the side of the house, climbed these stairs, and literally dug a hole through a uh, a mortar and clay thatched roof and then just dropped him in <laughs> to Jesus's lap in the middle of this house. See, if we're honest, man, sometimes we, we read the Bible and we just read over or autopilot verses like this, but, but put yourself in the story. Like these guys are doing something that's so socially uncomfortable, awkward. They're interrupting Jesus right in the middle of his teaching about the kingdom and about God and the Father and life, and they're, they're doing all of this just to get at Jesus. So two thoughts come to my mind as I see four friends do this for their, their paralyzed buddy who needs help. First thing is, I'm curious who owns the house, like who's, whose roofer insurance is covering this hole in the roof that now has to be patched up after this home gathering. The second thing that comes to my mind is this, and I felt Jesus just put his finger on my heart with this topic. These, these friends so wanted to get their friend to Jesus that they were willing to do anything. They were willing to, in a moment's notice, be gritty, tenacious, persevering, to get him into the house no matter the measure, the degree, the cost, or the length at which they had to go. If we've got to dig a hole in a roof, we'll do it if it means getting our friend to Jesus. And I felt Jesus asked me this question, like, who am I willing to dig holes and roofs for if it means getting them to Jesus? Like, do I, do I love people like Jesus in that kind of way to dig a hole and a roof if it means getting them into his presence? For my friends, maybe. For strangers, maybe it depends on the moment. For enemies, if I'm being honest, probably not. Yet if true life change, if true transformation, if true extraordinary unending love is found in the presence of Jesus, where people's eternities can be changed forever, if that's where true life change comes from, why would I not dig a hole through a roof if it meant getting a friend to Jesus? Man, it's extraordinary. I just, I just wonder if we're willing to replicate that kind of love for others. So it's interesting. And we're only going to cover the first half of this story. So the second half of this story, I encourage you to continue to dig into after our time together this morning. But how does Jesus respond to these four friends who <laughs> literally interrupt his afternoon by digging a hole in the roof? What does Jesus say? How does he respond? Verse five, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, this statement is shocking, disorienting, and confusing, if we're honest, to everyone in the room. Here's why. Why did the four friends bring their friend to Jesus? They brought (laughs) their friend to Jesus so Jesus could heal his legs. Yet Jesus is saying, son, your, your sins are forgiven. So the miracle they were looking for didn't exactly happen on the spot, did it? Something else happened. 
Now there's some other people in the room and in this house as well. Their names are the Pharisees. You know their story probably pretty well. They're these theological teachers, these religious leaders. They've got their, their thumb on the law of God. They, they know what relationship with God is supposed to look like. Yet to their ear, when they hear Jesus say, son, your sins are forgiven, in their hearts, even though they don't say it, the scriptures say they think it, they think Jesus is a blasphemer, right? Who has the rights? Who has the authority to forgive sin except for God alone? If Jesus is saying that, he must be claiming to be God. Yet he's a man. In their hearts and in their minds, Jesus has just broken a law that is punishable by death in the old covenant. Like you get, you get punished by death if you claim to be God. So what Jesus is saying here is incredibly shocking. And they don't know what to do with it, but they are frustrated. What's interesting is Jesus, if we read the Sermon on the, Mount, on the Mount, right, he's the fulfillment of the law, right? So he's not breaking any law. In fact, he's the fulfillment of it. He's the life giver of it. He's the completion of it. And he's God, by the way. So when the Pharisees say, you have to be God to forgive sins, I think Jesus would look at them and say, yeah, you're right. And that's who I am. To the buddies who brought their friend to Jesus, I think he would respond to them. There's a greater need on the table than that this man get up, use his legs and walk. I want to heal his legs, yes, but even more than that, and even more importantly than that, I want to heal his heart. See, the mission of Jesus is centered around God so loving the world that he sent his son to come and find us. We were lost and we needed to be found. We were dead and we needed to be revived and made alive. And Jesus is doing just that by forgiving us of our sins and offering us the opportunity and the freedom of being back in a right relationship with our creator, God. Jesus in this home is bottom lining what our purpose, our mission should be. To dig holes through roofs if necessary, if it means getting people into the presence of Jesus. To be on mission with Jesus is to not only live in his presence or abide in his presence daily, but to do whatever necessary to help others get there too. What, is it, what does it look like for us to do that, to operate in a faith like these friends where we do whatever it takes to get our friends, strangers, and enemies into the presence of Jesus where they know that they are loved by an omnipotent God who has given them the greatest gift he could ever give them, his son, to forgive us of sin through dying on the cross in our place so we could have new life. I mean, this is the story of the gospel. This is the good news. This is what's beautiful. And this is what's so worthwhile and extraordinary to get to share with others. How do we do that this week? We love you. Thanks for tuning in. Let me pray for us one last time before we close our time together. Father in heaven, would you help us to be storytellers? Would you help us to uh, share with others what you've first done in us? Would you help us to know that, that in Jesus we find hope and purpose and life and forgiveness and healing. Even if it doesn't come physically, he promises instantaneous, immediate spiritual healing, which is a healing we need and so does the rest of humanity. Father, would you help us to love Jesus and to treasure him above all things? He's the main character in this story and he's the main character in life. Would you help us to, to abide and live in his presence and do whatever it takes to help get others there too? Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your spirit. Would you help us to apply these things to our hearts? In your name I pray. Amen.